speaking yesterday about the <coughs> factors we need in order to understand the strength of the Torah's narrative as a raya to the proof of what happened. So we spoke last night about the fact that the facts that the Torah gives us aren't arguable, as is every time when there's something which is uh, historically involves entire countries or major parts of the world. So we never find that such things can be made up completely. There's too much evidence of too many people who experienced it and witnessed it to be able to invent such facts. Even if one wants to change slightly the numbers or slant it in their, to their favor, but to change the facts, it's impossible to do. So that's the first point we saw about the Torah's narrative it involved so many people. Not just other Jewish people, but even the nations around them. Okay, the next point is, uh, having spoken about Yitzhiya Mitzrayim and the conquest of Eretz Yisrael, the sojourn in the Midbar, which we spoke about last night, the next point to talk about, obviously, is Matan Torah itself. And what makes Matan Torah unique is that Moshe is addressing the Jewish people who witnessed it a number of times in the Torah, and Moshe tells them, Atem Re'isam. He tells them in Pasha Shemais, he tells it again to them a number of times later on in the Torah, you yourselves were witness to the fire, to the thunder and lightning, to the cloud and the mountain. You yourself heard Hashem speak. It even goes more than that, that they died from the experience that we brought back to life. And then again, Moshe is not recounting to them something which happened to him. Moshe is telling them something which happened to them. And now this brings us to the next uh, point, and that is, it might be possible to tell someone or tell people a story of what happened to to him or to other people but you can't tell people the story of what happened to them if it didn't happen in other words people know that uh, what happened in their own lives what they've experienced and therefore to tell people that this is what happened to you unless there's some agreement from that it's true that happened to us there's no way that you can convince people what they saw, what they experienced if they never saw it. And therefore, when the Torah makes a statement, not once, but a few times, again and again, that Moshe told the whole Israel, you saw, you heard, you were aware of this, but the day that you heard Hashem speak, then Moshe is addressing an audience who he's claiming this, that they were aware of this. Now, therefore, if, they, if it's sucker true and they accepted what Moshe said, so then that's very good then that's the proof it happens. What other, like we said, let's look at what the other options could have been. What other options could have been. So, that Moshe managed to convince them that they saw something they never saw is something we is impossible. People, are even, definitely not Klai Yisrael, who, as we see, time and again, throughout the Midbar, didn't necessarily accept what Moshe said. They argued with him. They complained against him when he wasn't doing what they wanted. So assume that they just accepted that Moshe said that they saw something which they never saw, wouldn't work. So there are only other two other options which could be possible explanations for such a statement. The one is it was a collision of silence. It was an agreement that everybody would make up that they saw what happened. And therefore, in order to, so to speak, make the Torah's accounts more uh, believable, so they all agreed, so to speak, to the to the deception that they had sought and they never did. That would be the one option. The one option, the other option, 
the other option would be something which, <coughs> let's say, Moshe managed as some master sorcerer or some tremendous uh, wizard who had ability to use Kaikasatoma or magic or sorcery, whatever it's going to be, and put on a show that everybody thought that they saw something which they never saw. Now, let's look at both these options and let's understand why neither of them really make sense. So we'll start with the second one first. And that is, could there be any other explanation for what Israel saw? Let's assume that they did see and they did hear, and there's some other explanation besides the fact that Hashem spoke to them. Is such a thing possible? So there's no rational explanation for such a thing. It is, if you're trying to explain that Kalei Yisrael did experience Maimon Harasenai, and uh, just it wasn't, the t- it wasn't really Hashem speaking to him, whatever else we're going to say, is there any way to explain such a thing? And the answer is no. We don't find any natural way to explain what happened. We don't even find any supernatural way to explain what happened. Now what do I mean? The idea of just saying, well, maybe it was sorcery, maybe it was Kishuf, like magic. That's uh, unreliable, it's like a wild statement, unless we can prove that this is in the realm of something which Kishuf could do. Well, this is in the realm of something which sorcerers, magicians, people who had access to these koikos could use. And there were sorcerers. They were in Egypt, there was a land replete with sorcery. And later on also, we find people who had access to what we call the koikos atoma to negative spiritual forces who could try and do things through magic or through witchcraft, whatever you're going to call it. And this wasn't in the scope of what witchcraft could do. We don't find anyone similar who had the ability to use sorcery, witchcraft, pulling off anything like this. And therefore, to just make a wild claim and say, maybe Moshe did it through sorcery or through magic, we don't find any basis for such a thing. This wasn't in the realm of things which sorcerers could try to do. Just like it's saying, maybe it happened some natural freak accident. What kind of natural freak accident? We don't find any precedent before or afterwards of any natural occurrence which looked anything like that. Not the clouds, not the fire, not the sound of the shofar, not the fact that everybody felt that they could hear Hashem speaking, whatever it is. And therefore, to try and find other explanations, if we accept the facts, there aren't any explanations. Because uh, we don't find any precedent or anything similar to compare to it that we can say there was another way of explaining what happened. So again, so therefore, if we don't, we we said that we're trying to explain one, two points. Number one, is there an, is there a way of explaining the facts which happened without saying it's a miracle? We don't have any other way of explaining the facts which happened without saying it's a miracle. The second point, and that is we said before, and that is. Is there a way of exp- that to disagree with the facts? So like here we said also, to convince people that they saw something, that they were aware of something, that they heard it themselves, is something which is impossible to do if the, if the people themselves deny it. You might say that you heard something or that you were aware of something, and you're telling us what you know about that we can hear. But to say we saw something, if we never saw it, we're not going to accept that. Now, let's just go back to this point for a second, <coughs> before we go to the, second, the, the, the question I asked before. And that is the proof of this. The proof of this is, no one else ever tried it. No one else ever tried it. Even if there would be, there are, like let's say, other religions who also came about after Kal Yisra, after the Jewish people, and we're now trying to convince people to follow them, so, no one tried to copy the Torah's model and say that a lot of people, 
or even a few people were aware of something. Both Christianity, Islam, and any other religion after that was always a one-man show when a person says what he saw or what he heard. It never involved other people. Yashka never claimed anybody else was heard prophecy except for him and same thing Muhammad. And they both had the Torah. So why did nobody else try and put up, even in a small way, what the Torah said? They had a very minimal group of followers. If you're talking about Yashka, he had five followers. You're talking about Muhammad, he had a handful of, of illiterate Arabs. Why did none of them try the same trick and say, you saw, you heard, there was something which you also were aware of? Because it gives you so much more credibility saying that we all saw it than saying just I saw it. If it's something a person saying just I saw, so then no one knows if it's telling the truth or not. If I can turn to the audience and say, you also saw this, so you know it's true, if that's the case, it gives you much more credibility. Why did no one else try it? Why did no one else manage to convince their followers that they saw something? They heard something, anything. And the answer is because you can't do that. It doesn't work. Even if you're talking about followers who who want to accept what you're saying, whatever it is, so that we don't find that a person, no one ever successfully managed to, so to speak, say anything in the sense of you saw, you heard, you were aware of. Like I said, even with a wedding audience. So to assume that that's what happened in the Midbar to a much, much larger amount of people. A much, much larger amount of people is uh, I- impossible. It's impossible. We don't find any kind of uh, precedent again in history for people being told about something which they never saw, but be told you saw something as a way that's to make it more real. And therefore, the, the possibility of saying it was some kind of conspiracy of silence doesn't work. Definitely not with such big numbers of people. Not only that, it wasn't something which Clarisrael said, okay, yes, we saw it, it was a nice uh, historical incident and we carry on with our lives. As a result of that, their lives changed dramatically. Because of Matan Torah, they were now mechuyev to keep all the mitzvahs. Because of Matan Torah, they were now had to live a certain way. And this is all based on what they themselves saw. So, to accept that they saw something, if they saw it, then they understood it, they knew it was true. If not, that they should agree, so to speak, to the deception in order to mechayev themselves, in order to restrict themselves to something which doesn't make sense. And therefore, we don't find both of these first two points. We don't find another explanation for what happened, but we don't find a way to contradict the Torah's evidence. And now the last point. And that is what we started talking about before. And that is, we see that there were later religions who wanted to take away from the, so to speak, the authenticity of Torah. Now, they had the Torah's model already. Both the Christians and the Muslims, like the Khazar himself brought them at the beginning of the Sefer, came after Matan Torah. And both of them wanted to say that, so to speak, that they the true religion. What are they going to do with the fact that there was Matan Torah beforehand? So we already said before, they couldn't copy it. They couldn't pull off the same thing and say there was an equally impressive, so to speak, incident in which our religion was founded. They couldn't emulate it. But what's more interesting is, they couldn't deny it. None of them could come along and say, Matan Torah never happened. It's all, it's all a forgery, it's all a fabrication. They all had to work around it. It's true it happened, it's true Hashem gave the Torah to the Jews. It's true that, they, that everything happened in Matan Torah is true. But at a later stage, so either Yashko, Mahmoud, whoever else you want to consider, the one person came along and told us it's not like that. 
Now, as far as credibility goes, this does tremendous damage to their argument. Because it means they're accepting that the way that Hashem gave the Torah to the Jews was something which is much, much, much more powerful and more obvious and more unarguable than what they had. But they can't deny it. They can't say it never happened because there's no way to deny such a thing. And that's the important point. Even the people who had the, who had the biggest interest in trying to deny it, the compet- competing religions couldn't. They couldn't emulate it, they couldn't deny it. And they have that to find a backwards way of explaining that it's true it happens, but Lemais Hashem changed his mind. And if you're going to ask the obvious question, if Hashem changed his mind, then why couldn't he reveal it publicly like he did the first time? Why did it have to be in a very secretive way which no one knew about? If Hashem could put up a large-scale event and tell everybody what he wants, why didn't he do it again? There's no answer to that question. So just, and therefore, by admission, they're agreeing that there's no way to explain Matan Torah in any other way. They couldn't emulate it and they couldn't deny it. And therefore, like I said, if you're going to look at the proof of Matan Torah by Hashem, it's later, we'll look at next time you read it inside, it's on the background of, this is something which nobody could argue with. Not the fact that it happened and not the explanation. And no one could emulate it. And if that's the case, we left with the only explanation, and that is that was, this was a once-off miracle, which was Hashem brought about in order to show us the validity and the truth of, of Yiddishkeit. This is basically going to be the Khazar's explanation. Next time we'll read it inside and we'll see how he builds this point.